0: Welcome to the Confidence Through Health podcast. My name is Jerry Snyder. As a health, wellness, and sports performance coach, my goal each week is to bring you experts to help you take control of your health and build your self-confidence. Thanks for including me today on your journey to better health. As an elite level runner and coach, I'm excited to introduce you to the All In Running Club. The All In Running Club exists to help you become a better runner. Whether you're a beginner, an elite runner, or anywhere in between, The mission of the All In Running Club is to give you the tools you need to find your success in running. Join today to take advantage of the 75% off yearly membership rate offer. Click the link below in the show notes to learn more. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lemon, for being a guest on the Confidence Through Health podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it.
0: So this is a, a slightly different topic than I usually have on, but I, it, it's an important topic. And and when you look at health overall, like it, it all starts in the womb, and and so it's important to look at it and say, okay, well, how can we make sure that women are having healthy pregnancies? You know, and one of the things that that you strive for is is that helping women have healthy pregnancies so that they can have healthy deliveries and healthy babies and and whatnot. So tell us a little bit about like why that's a passion for you.
1: Well, I've always enjoyed being with people and uh, forming a partnership, I think, is just extremely important. That Mm -hmm. is a good relationship that's based on trust and the ability to ask questions and to get answers uh, and to take the time that you need to take it. And, you know, the thing that I fell in love with uh, as far as obstetrics goes is it is the only place in medicine where you get to start out with a blank slate. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, you're not fixing a heart attack, you're not fixing diabetes, you're not fixing cancer, you have 80, 90, or 100 years of potential that you could participate in. Right. Uh, not that I can give 100 years, but at least I can participate in that. So that was a fun thing for me, the potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can steer people in the right direction, and that was also really fun. Yeah,
0: and 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 when you think about it that way, it's, it's true. It's that you're you're helping women and men as couples, but you're you know women have to have a, a majority like stake in the matter when it comes to creating the health for their baby, and like you're helping guide them to set the foundation for what could be, you know, years of. healthy living for that
1: child. Well, you're absolutely right. It's nice to get off on the ground floor. And you were talking about dads, you know, I've always welcomed dads to the prenatal course. As a matter of Mm -hmm. fact, I really have recommended that because you get to see how people work together, you get to see the
0: relationship.
1: Mm -hmm. I've also welcomed the children. So, you know, one of the problems with children sometimes Uh, Say, for example, you have four children and you're on your fifth. Right. It's the fourth child that's going to be displaced, and Mm -hmm. that's the one you have to be concerned about. You know, you have classes on how to introduce your dog to your dog or your dog to your child. There are no classes to introduce the fourth child to the fifth child. Right. So, those are some of the things that I got to do. And I know how important it is for dads and moms to support each other when they're raising their children, and especially during pregnancy. So, it's a wonderful opportunity a prenatal course, and actually the postpartum course for a year. Wonderful opportunity to make, to help people get ready for the next, like I said, 60, 80, 100 years of their lives. Right, so opportunity is—it's really fun.
0: Yeah, and and I would imagine that if I mean, you you've been doing this for a while, and and granted, people have babies, they move, and you know the kids move off, but but in in instances where you've had okay, well, I delivered this baby, and now this child is having a baby, like to get to see how when mom becomes grandma, and they pass down the things that they learned because they went through it in a proper, healthy way, hmm. like that's that's a huge part of like just creating that healthy environment, right?
1: It is very important. And, you know, I have a little story I can tell you. I had years ago, I had a patient come in with quads. She had in vitro, she was an infertility patient four babies. And wow. so she had seen three doctors before me. And mm. of course i always advise people to, You know, if you're uncomfortable with the first doctor, don't stay there. Move on. You can interview your doctor like you and your wife did. Right. Anyway, she came in with her husband. We had a long talk, uh, probably an hour. And the big problem was that they had been advised to reduce the amount of babies. In other Mm -hmm. words, uh, they had been told that they should make this uh, twins instead of four. Right, And that was an offensive idea to them and one that they could not justify because, you know, like mom and dad said, they're all going to get the same chance. They're all going to live or they're all going to not live, but they're going to get the same chance. So anyway, uh, now that was 20, well, that was in 1980 or 1998, so 25 years ago. Yeah and uh, we have a video of that it's free so if you want to watch it it's just on youtube so we got the four quads all growing up and uh, mom and dad and me talking about the first visit and what it was like to go through pregnancy and also postpartum mm-hmm. you know dad said he changed 7000 diapers a month <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> that's that's commitment and that is man <laughs> that's crazy and dad doing it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh no my wife would she'll tell you that she she enjoyed the times when I would have you know baby duty in the middle of the night because it, she was like Ugh. and she did she loved the fact that I wasn't scared of changing diapers and I know I, I know I didn't do that many I couldn't imagine that maybe that would have scared me off but <laughs> that's well, quite the load.
1: You do what you have to do, you know, and it's really yeah. amazing. I mean, because I know I have three children and I know what it's like to have sick children, you know, the yeah. earaches and the fevers all night. I can remember one night it was with my youngest son and I was busy being a doctor and up all day and up all night, but I spent most of the night on the floor with him under the dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it was that we wound up there, yeah. But, it was a place where we could both sleep for a little bit. So Oh, my
0: gosh. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> so when we look at, at, at women and health, like what are some things that women can do to improve the health of their pregnancy?
1: There's a lot of opportunity, like I said, in pregnancy, and that's the fun part of prenatal care and postpartum care. But mm-hmm. one of the important things is to watch blood pressure. You know, if you look at the, you know, NPR has a lot of, sad stories like for mm-hmm. example uh tori bowie you probably familiar yep. with her, the fastest woman in the earth right well she died yeah she died in pregnancy uh she was about 35 36 weeks so you know it was a time when the baby could have lived right if you look at it it was really hard to find any decent information on her but I think there was a lot of opportunity there because if you look at the size of the baby, it was just over one pound and that would be like 26 weeks. So what I'm saying is there were 10 weeks where her blood pressure would have been elevated and Mm -hmm. somebody could have done something right now for blood pressure. And there's actually recently articles on this. And I'm surprised after 50 years of recognizing that one High blood pressure is the problem. It's the herald sign. Mm-hmm. It indicates the future. And that's one of the things you can do as pregnancy is look for hints of right. the future. So, you know, years ago, b- before I got smart, or <laughs> smarter <laughs> anyway. I uh, used to send the patients to the hospital and the nurses would check them twenty, check their blood pressure 20 times until they found the lowest pressure and record that. Then I'd mm-hmm. see the patient back a week later and, it, and the blood pressure was even higher. Right. I just stopped sending the patients in because I knew I was not going to get the information I needed to get. But I started treating those patients at home. And... A lot of times, it's really just simple. Say, for example, you have somebody who has she works twelve hours a day, three days a week. That's bad for right. pregnant. So sometimes they have to work well six hours a day, five days a week. Not quite as many hours, but it's enough of a change to make those blood pressures go down. Right. Sometimes they have to stop working altogether. Sometimes stress. You know, work is stressful physically and and emotionally. Right. Um, so, you know, in my experience, I've had, no, and that's about 6,000 births, I've had no moms even have a seizure. That's, you know, if your blood pressure gets high enough, you can have a seizure. Right. That's called eclampsia. Mm-hmm. You know, you change from pre-eclampsia to eclampsia. I've never had a patient seize. If you look at the literature, it's not difficult to find examples of patients who have seized either before or after. The seizure is not the problem. The problem is high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. and that can kill or leave a woman permanently injured. So we have this herald sign you can watch, and you can get moms um, invested in the treatment, and you can avoid all of that. So that's one way. Uh, yeah. know, it's actually a kind of a fun way. And it's it also goes back to my original statement about partnership. You're right. And another way that really helps moms is talking with them about how to eat. <laughs> because pregnancy is a time of, in the beginning, it's a time of low blood sugar. When their blood sugar goes down, they lose their appetite and they... Feel sick. They feel nauseated. So it's really a matter of avoiding nausea. And you do that by eating a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, a bad breakfast is the kind of usual breakfast most people have that includes cold cereal, straight milk, orange juice, and a piece of toast. Right. That's the wrong breakfast. Yeah. You know, but if you really want that breakfast, add an egg to it. Right know or a piece of bacon or a piece of cheese or you know substitute an apple for your orange juice right a little butter on your toast uh, it that becomes a breakfast that sustains blood pressure so that you don't feel rotten for the rest yeah. of the day yeah there's lots of things that moms can do but they have to know they can do it right so they need permission and they need education.
0: Yeah. And is that something that, like, when you say they need permission, is it, is, because I can imagine, and, I mean, obviously I'm a guy, so I'm I'm never going to actually have that feeling. But putting myself in their position, uh, if somebody who's not, not educated in a health way, you know, in, in pregnant going like, I could really mess this up if I do something wrong. Right. Like, is that fear
1: there? I, you know. I think it is for some people and I think mm-hmm. it is in some degree. Uh yes, and that I haven't met a pregnant woman who isn't interested in the benefit to her baby. Right. I just there's something that takes over no matter whether the pregnancy is planned or not mm-hmm. uh that there's this uh, built-in protection and of course you see it throughout all of nature and you've right. seen it for probably 200,000 years or more. Right. You now, if you go into the chicken coop, you know, the mother hen is there, yeah. you know, and the mother cow is very dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to get near a calf. Right. But that, the instinct to parent is strong.
0: Yeah. Um, So, so having that information is important in, and like you said, in that partnership. And so picking the right doctor Yep. it can provide you the right information and so if and and i love the blood pressure deal because that's something that nowadays you can you can get that reading like pretty much for free anywhere you want like you can go anywhere and get your blood pressure taken
1: i have always recommended for my patients to buy a blood pressure cuff yeah and and to check their own blood pressure and to call me if it's over you know a certain point mm-hmm. you know blood pressure is relative so right What's good for one isn't good for another. I mean sometimes some women start out with a hundred over sixty. Some women start out with a hundred and forty over ninety right and if you know i I do have a blood a blood pressure story I can tell you. There's a lady who came in. she was about one forty five over ninety. Mm-hmm. and I thought, what am I going to do with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what how can we get through this? right well we, i gave her just a little bit of the it was the medication that was in style in those days it was Aldomet. we got her pressure down a little bit and of course as as she progressed in her pregnancy blood pressure came down she actually delivered at term and she delivered a nine pound three ounce baby boy um, vaginally yeah. so you know it's not it's not the absolute blood pressure it's what is relevant or good for that patient right if say the lady with a blood pressure of 100 over 60 if she went up to 100 over over 90 she'd be in trouble
0: yeah and it's and so it's it's more of a like yeah what's what's relative to you what's your starting point and how is that changing And then if it's changing too much and your doctor's not helping you figure that out, maybe it's time to look for somebody else.
1: I think absolutely. And of course, one of the problems today is that we have HMOs and all kinds Mm -hmm. of managed care organizations that tell you where you can go. And yes, one of the problems is, say, for example, there's five doctors in a group Mm -hmm. and your insurance says, oh, well, you have to see one of them. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, being changing from number one to number two in that group probably isn't going to fix anything because there will be the poisoned well. Right. So your insurance company has a lot to do with it. And I think sometimes people just say, well, fine, I'll just wind up paying more for this and go out of. Out of network. Right.
0: Which, you know, it's. When, when we're talking about, like you said at the very beginning, the, the 80 or 90 or 100 years, like that's a very small investment to make in the health of a human being. Well,
1: you're absolutely right. And, and that's one of the fun things about obstetrics, because mm-hmm. such a small thing can mean so much for mom yeah. and dad and, and the next 100 years of somebody's life.
0: Right. So let's talk about... Um, One of the things, when when my wife and I started going through infertility issues, I had no idea. I mean, of course, as a guy, you don't think about some of these things, you know, throughout life like women do. But I had no idea how many women have miscarriages. Yes. Um, It's pretty common, right?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, we have now the more sensitive pregnancy tests. And if you look at them, there are many miscarriages that even happen before the first period. So if you look at that, the rate is about forty percent. But if you look at, uh, say, for example, the ones who survive after the first missed mm-hmm. period, then you're looking at more like fifteen percent. And if you're looking at the miscarriage rate, say after you hear the first the heartbeat, then that's down to probably less than five percent. So, yeah, okay. uh, you know, once you get to a certain point, things get a little. Uh, more stable for you.
0: Right. So what, what's, what would be like the most controllable risk factor that, that women can look at of like, okay, we're trying to get pregnant. We want to make sure that we have a healthy pregnancy and avoid that, that range of miscarriages early on. Like what's the most, what's the thing that they can control the most in there?
1: Well, there's several things I think that are important, you know, and a lot of times we don't think about getting pregnant. I mean, it Mm -hmm. just happens.
0: Right.
1: But if you're thinking about being pregnant and you want to prepare for pregnancy, I would say visit your doctor, get a simple test like a CBC that will make sure you don't have anemia. Mm -hmm. Another test you could get would be a CMP, which is a comprehensive metabolic profile. That will make sure that you don't have liver disease or kidney disease. And you can talk about any inherited diseases. Uh, In our society, cystic fibrosis is very common, Mm -hmm. very diagnosable. It's what we call an autosomal recessive. Mm -hmm. That means that each parent has to give one chromosome to that in order to have an affected birth. But those things are all things you can learn before pregnancy mm-hmm. the other thing is there are vitamins you know uh micronutrients we call them now i guess right um certainly folate is extremely important because that low folate has been associated with what we call neural tube defects and they they go from the head which means some i have no brain mm-hmm. they don't run and they run for politics <laughs> <laughs> they're politicians
0: yeah
1: and some of them uh, have defects of the vertebral, the um, spinal cord, mm-hmm. and some of them actually have a defect that's so low they don't even know they have problems. But yeah, uh, uh, folic acid is extremely important to have yeah. a good level. Could even get that level checked, get a B twelve checked. Uh, so yeah, there are ways to get ready for pregnancy. Once you're ready for pregnancy, then If you're planning, look for the fertile time. And the fertile time is usually uh, up to five days before ovulation. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, women know because they have mucus, which is thin, stretchy, uh, clear. So, yeah, there's all kinds of ways to get ready for pregnancy. Okay.
0: Um, And so if, if... if they're, once they get pregnant and they're, you know, one of the things that, that I know that you're, you're really working towards is having a a healthy pregnancy all the way through. Um, what are some warning signs that like, they should be alert that like, okay, I need to go in a different direction because something's, something's not right. My doctor's not helping me in this way, but like, what are they, what should they be feeling or seeing or thinking like, you know, we know high blood pressure, but is there anything else that like, would give them an alert that, like, I need to take more control of what's going on.
1: Yes. If they have trouble eating, you know, there are ways. I've never, in the 6,000 births, I haven't had a patient who has needed a nose hose Mm -hmm. or IV nutrition. Right. Because I talk with them about it. But sometimes you're not going to get that kind of attention. So if you find you're not losing weight or not gaining weight, And you find that you're having trouble eating the whole day long. And if you're finding that your doctor isn't listening to you, or you see a different person every time, and all they do is start, you know, write in the chart and make sure that that they do their two minutes worth of work and then get out of there. So yeah, if you're not gaining weight, the other thing is if you have a family history of early heart disease say your mom died at age 40 from a heart attack
0: mm-hmm.
1: you are much more likely to have trouble with eclampsia so you that's some um, a conversation that you need to have with your doctor and you okay. with your doctor need to make a plan that's the partnership
0: right and and that's that's having a doctor that's open to going above and beyond just the here's here's what I see from your body and your vital signs
1: exactly there's a little bit of something called listening right. you know, <laughs> years ago somebody said how do you ever learn anything you talk all the time so uh, I try I try to listen more and talk right.
0: less <laughs> right uh, well I just saw and I can't remember who it was that that had the quote but like if you're talking all the time, there's no way you're going to get any new information because you can't hear it. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's so true. It's, um, and 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 I think sometimes patients get into this this habit of like I'm just I, I go in, I tell my symptoms, they're supposed to tell me what I do, and I leave. And that may work in some situations, but when it comes to pregnancy, I think it it needs to. You need to go in with a different mindset.
1: Well, pregnancy is a wonderful opportunity for Mm -hmm. a doctor to get to know the patient. It's really one of the only times you see somebody, say, maybe eight or nine or 10 times. Um, And so you can develop a relationship. Now, if it turns out that you're in one of these groups where you see a different person every time, and sometimes it's... uh, a nurse practitioner who isn't mm-hmm. going to be at your delivery, it's really hard uh, for you as a patient to have a relationship. A lot of times they don't know who their doctor is. Right, But it's also hard for the provider to really understand who that patient is. And you know, one of the nice things about knowing your patient and having the partnership is there are many times I walked into a room Uh, Labor room, the patient is in labor and she's almost ready to deliver and she's screaming and crying and says, I can't do this. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so what they need to hear is, yes, you can do this. Yes, you've got about 10 minutes left. We'll get through this together. Right. So, you know, you can't exercise that kind of uh, influence. If you don't have a relationship with that right. patient, right?
0: Yeah, that's tough. Right. Um, so, what in, in in trying to build that relationship, what's like, what's the most important question in your mind that women should be asking their doctor? Maybe it's it's as they're they're ex, you know exploring the idea of becoming pregnant, and starting their family, or I just found out I'm pregnant. My first visit. Maybe it's a new doctor because they're in a new town or something. What's the most important question they should be asking that that they're not?
1: I would say there's two questions, and this is one of the things we talk about in our book, and it has to do with par- with partnering. Mm-hmm. But who am I going to see in the prenatal course? Will mm-hmm. I see you? And will I see you every time? The other question is, who's going to be at my delivery?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What are yep. my choices? You know right. what are my chances of seeing you? We have something now, it's called Doc on Deck, and this is one more example of a change that's been good for doctors and bad for patients mm-hmm. because you may wind up being in labor and delivering with a person you have never met, right? Now that is a much different experience than having than going through a delivery with somebody who you consider to be your partner.
0: Right. Cause I, and I, so like thinking back to like, okay, well, you know, I've, I've had a couple of surgeries for, for different reasons. And like, one of the things I think of is like, okay, I want, I want the, the best surgeon available. Right. Like I, I, I don't have like well, my lung collapsed and I didn't have a relationship with, a, with a lung doctor. It was like, I just want the best person available. that can do this. Like, but that's a, that's a different scenario. And like, I would, I would look at a pregnancy going like you have said, I want somebody I trust that can help me through this process because it's, it's, it's a different scenario. If you're not trying to fix me.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's, you're right. I mean, when you have a collapsed lung, that is really an emergency and, and i'm assuming it was a spontaneous collapse Mm -hmm. yep and um yeah those are actually i have done a little bit of studies on those but you're ready no i had gallbladder trouble and i was in so much pain i thought i don't care who you are right you know (laughs) Yep. and i had a doctor who was kind of a jerk but at least he got my gallbladder out so right fine but if you have a choice uh, and, you know, you are in prenatal, you you are looking at seeing somebody for, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months or more. Right. Uh, certainly, you should choose, you should be able to choose. And, you know, some a lot of times I think it's use your judgment. In other words, how does this feel? Mm-hmm. Does this feel good to you? Does this right. feel right? Uh, a lot of people stay out of trouble simply by asking, does this feel right to me? Is this right, right or wrong? Yeah. And most people will come up with that they know the difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah, very true. And and when it comes to – and I can imagine, like, I mean, well, I've, just, I've, I've heard my wife say this, of course, when, like, she's gone to get a checkup and it was somebody other than her normal doctor and she, you know, she's like, okay, that was a little different. That's somebody I don't know who's looking at areas that you know <laughs> nobody else really looks at. Um and it I imagine that can be very uncomfortable for for a lot of women.
1: I, I think it is. There's something that's um really I think comforting about um seeing the same person every what if, where it is it it is. Used to be every year, you know, right. when we recommended pap smears every year, Chris. Now We're recommending them less often. And guess what? For some reason or other, it's a surprise that cervical cancer is on the rise. Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) Well, we're not checking for it, (laughs) just like prostate cancer, you know? Gee, we stopped checking for it and oh my, now we have this this surge of prostate cancer. Right. So. Yeah, there's something to be said for regular examinations and taking things seriously.
0: Yeah. And it's not just for someone who's in that that pregnancy stage of life, but even afterwards, like that that care needs to continue on because you have the changes of menopause or potential hysterectomy down the road just because of the way that life in your body develops and changes and and all of those things, and so having that continued care all the way through is extremely important, right?
1: It it's really important, and you know, one of the fun things I actually look forward to seeing people. I you know for a, an annual exam, or you know, every other year, monthly exam, whatever it is, because you get to know uh how they work at home. You get to know, you know. Oh, for example, I'll never forget the lady who, who sold. Uh, uh RVs you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you know we talk a little bit about the how's RV sale coming and right um so yeah I got to know her husband and what she was thinking and feeling and uh what she was worried about and what she was happy about so that's actually fun you know fun yeah yeah
0: well and I can say from from my wife's experience of having a uh an OBGYN that didn't really direct us in the right direction for what we needed at the time when we switched. And now she, I don't know how many people she's recommended to go see this doctor now, because she's just like, she, she loves, you know, what he's been able to do for us as a family um, and guide us in a direction for her care. And like, she just, she, she can't say enough about him. And and I think that's, that's a testament to him, but it's also a testament to the relationship that he builds with because she's not the only one that says that she'll she'll mention his name to somebody else and they'll just start it's a 20-minute testimony from them about how great he is
1: well word of mouth is really your best i mean it's, it's best for it's really a good source for the mm-hmm. provider but it's also a good source for the consumer you know if you have three people who are satisfied or happy with this doctor probably you're going to have the same experience so right Uh, it's It's a very good way to pick somebody that you are going to be comfortable with.
0: Right. And so besides the obvious of smoking and drinking, like obviously we know those are bad for pregnancy. Are there any other things that like women, like lifestyle changes or habits that women need to look at to say, okay, well, I need to make this change to make sure that I give myself the best odds for a healthy pregnancy?
1: Well, of course you're right. Uh, No smoking and very little um, or no alcohol. Mm -hmm. We just really don't know uh, how much alcohol it takes to get a fetal alcohol syndrome baby. So that's why the recommendation is no alcohol. Although there are women who do have a glass of red wine from time to time and they have eight normal babies. So you don't know. It's probably gonna be different for everybody. Uh, there are many things that you should be thinking about, I think, but certainly um, one of the things is exercise. Now, uh, some women, are they run uh, three, four, five miles a day, and the issue becomes, should I continue running? Right. And the answer is yes. If you're well-established, if this is something that you do and have done for many years, go ahead you might want to watch your pulse, you know, try not mm-hmm. to get it over 140, but exercise is okay. A little exercise is really good. Don't start new exercises for pregnancy unless it's something very simple like swimming right. or yoga or, you know, meditation. Those are all things which would be safe to start if you
0: wanted to. Right. But, yeah, and I remember – um I can't remember exactly how long ago this was but uh I'm a I'm a, a track athlete and I remember um hearing about one of the collegiate athletes that got pregnant and continued to train until she was like seven months pregnant and like training hard like out at the track and there were videos of her out at the track doing hard workouts um and you know it but it was thankfully put in a context of, this is what she's done all her life. She's continuing. She's under, you know, obviously care from the athletic training department and all of that. Um, And so there, she was being watched very carefully, but you know, it was, it was also only the amazement of like, okay, well, this is what's possible for women that are, you know, it's not just, okay, I'm pregnant. Now I have to just sit down and I can't do anything because I, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant and I have to be careful.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. In my experience, I have never seen any athlete have trouble with pregnancy in any way. Uh, Of course, you know, we do. I'm going to go back to Tori Bowie again. Mm -hmm. You would know her well because of your track. Yep. Um, One of the things that people don't understand about pregnancy is that preeclampsia has no limitations. That is you can be the most physically fit person in the world and you can get preeclampsia. So good physical fitness does not protect. And preeclampsia is only pregnancy specific. In other words, if you're not pregnant, you'll never get it. Right. But nobody. And I think that was one of the problems that Tori had. She probably thought I am so physically fit, nothing can go wrong. Right. And, that is just not where it is at all. So, yeah, yeah, you have to be aware of the fact that anybody can get preeclampsia.
0: Well, I think that just goes back to um, one of the things that I tell people is that, you know, because I try to leave a, lead a very healthy life and sometimes people ask me like, well, why do you go to the doctor? You know, and I'm like, I go for a checkup and I get, you know, my blood work done every, you know, on occasion or, you know, do the, because... I can only see what I can see on the outside. I have no idea what's actually going on inside. I'm giving myself all the proper things to hopefully get in the right direction. But is it working or not? Nobody knows unless they do a test to find out.
1: Well, there's a lot to be said for testing, but I can tell you by looking at you, you look healthy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you came to see me in the office, I'd say, this is a healthy looking guy.
0: Right. <laughs> but it's the same thing with, with pregnancy, right? Like, cause you really don't know what's going on until like you, you do an ultrasound to check things out or you do something to make sure that like, okay, everything is all the signs are in the correct direction.
1: Yes, th- certainly you can gain a lot of information by uh, ultrasound testing. Um, you no, know, that of course there are now people who say that that's not such a good thing, but I guess in the long run, probably the most, you know, if we look at all the information, we probably should come down on the side of, yes, uh, we, we can do ultrasounds, but we need to limit right. the amount of ultrasound exposure and we shouldn't be doing this for fun.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Um and because and, you can get a lot of, of good information, like you've said, from from talking to somebody. And, and like you said, if if you if I came and sat down in your office and you asked me, OK, what's your diet? What's your exercise? What's your lifestyle like stress wise? What? It, then you'd probably go, OK, we don't need to do this test or that test or that test because it just be a waste of money or waste of exposure for whatever, you know, it, it could potentially cause me harm as far as maybe x-rays or any of that kind of stuff. And so if there's well, that communication line there, then it that that can take a lot of the pressure off.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. A little bit of time. And of course, looking, listening, right. all of those things are important. I'd say right now you've got about a 3% body fat.
0: So. <laughs> Pretty close. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, and so speaking of that, like, I know a lot of women and, that, And I've known a lot of women that have gotten pregnant just from, you know, my my community, that have talked about like, okay, I now I've gained too much weight. Right? Like there are doctors telling them, oh, you've gained too much weight. You need to work on this. You're gonna have this, that. Like, is there a and and this could again be just something that's just individualized, but is there a okay, now you've gone too you've you've gained too much or because I know there's there's an issue of if, if, if you're not eating enough, you're not gaining enough, you're not creating that environment. But can we go overboard?
1: Well, yes, and we can, and often do. And of course, you have to then ask, well, why? Why is this? Why mm-hmm. are you gaining weight? Are you preclamptic? You know, is your blood pressure out of sight? Um, on the other hand, I, are you eating too many milkshakes? Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing about it is, you you never ever recommend losing weight during pregnancy or maintaining weight. Mm-hmm. So if you gain too much weight, you can't tell somebody to lose that weight. Right. So all you can do is say, well, try to gain less weight. Right? You might. There are women who do gain uh, more than 40 pounds in pregnancy, you know, 60, 70, even 80 pounds. I wouldn't recommend that. But on the other hand, a lot of times those patients actually do all right. Yeah. Nobody should lose weight during pregnancy.
0: Right. So even if you've gained too much, if they're telling you to start losing weight, then that's a big red sign.
1: You do not want to lose weight in pregnancy. You know, years ago, I worked with this lady. She had twins. And the doctor told her to smoke during pregnancy and to not lose and to not gain any weight. Yeah. So when she delivered the twins, she was automatically 60 pounds lighter. (laughs) Of course we don't recommend that anymore, but this is the way things used to be uh, during pregnancy. Go ahead and smoke and uh, don't gain any weight. And, um, I'm, I guess she's kind of lucky she has twins right you know, I mean living twins right uh, although I don't know what exactly might have been done to their intellectual ability right. during
0: that time right because that's that's that is a big you know obviously it, it, in the development of the baby um, all the different exposures that the mom puts them through at the different timings, there's different risks, right? And and some risks are higher at this point in this point than in so knowing all of that stuff is it, it it's something that one, you want to do your research on, but two, you want to make sure you have somebody in your corner that's guiding you in the right direction.
1: Yep. You want your partner there. Your partners, yeah. you know, whether it's your husband or your children or your doctor, you need you need the group yep. partnership.
0: Yep. So tell us about, um, I know you've got Pregnancy Your Way, the book that you've you've recently released out, Um, and then Modern Medicine, which is, it's, now that one's a little bit older, right?
1: Yes, my wife and I wrote that book um, 32 years ago. Okay. Um, Go ahead. We were concerned about the rising costs and, So we have five chapters. One of them is big business. In other words, uh, when one hospital pays, you know, $100 million to buy another hospital, where does that money come from? Oh, yeah. Well, it comes from you. Right. (laughs) It comes from the consumer, you know. And then we were also, right now I'm doing an article on uh, nursing shortage and the nursing ratio. One of the big things that it's, uh, I think it's House Bill 106, uh, and that's probably been passed now. But uh, there was a lady, um, uh, a PhD nurse who works at the University of Pennsylvania who was talking about ratios that is, the amount of patients per nurse. Mm-hmm. Well, um, One of the things that happened and one of the things we wrote about, we used to have something called team nursing so that the nurses had their duties. They passed the pills, they made chart notes, but we had aides and orderlies to empty the bedpans, check the lights, to bring the food, to take the trays away. Well, and for some reason or other about 50 years ago, nursing hierarchy got themselves in a knot about primary care nursing. So guess what? The cost-effective people, the aides, the orderlies, the receptionists were sent packing. So now all of a sudden, nurses had to do everything. Well, guess what? You had an overnight manufactured nursing shortage. Right. And that continues today. There are people talking about going back to team nursing, which would make a lot of sense. right? So, And that would be my recommendation. The other thing I'd recommend, and that's not in our book, has to do with um, the amount of locums. For example, there are a lot of nurses who, well, hospitals are losing their old nurses. Now, a hospital will have to pay $100 an hour for one nurse. right? And $50 an hour goes to the company that employs the nurse and 50 dollars an hour goes to the nurse right well you know that means that uh for one nurse for one day that's five hundred dollars for three nurses that's fifteen hundred dollars so you know that's a lot of money right um in a day or three thousand dollars so anyway there are nursing shortages there are all kinds of bad solutions but my recommendation would be less paperwork. Right. You know, it's estimated now that as a provider, we spend two-thirds of our time on the electronic record, one-third seeing patients. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right. Now, how does that make sense, you know? Yeah. You think what that does to the patient partnership. Yeah. You know, it's like putting a bomb in it. Mm-hmm. You know, Oh, yeah. It completely destroys it. Oh. So anyway I wrote an article about you know we have a physician shortage which is worse than yeah. a nursing shortage well if we had half as much paperwork we'd have twice as much time <laughs> <laughs> true. very true very simple solution yep yep very true
0: oh so my anyway gosh. that's
1: what we talk about in that book
0: oh <laughs> and those are available on Amazon
1: yes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah the um let's see our book, uh, "Pregnancy Your Way" and uh, "Choose a Safe and Happy Birth." If you look at it, it's Amazon, but you have to put Lindemann behind it, or you come up with twenty five other pregnancy books. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Um, and then, uh, as far as if somebody wanted to get connected with you to to find out more about what you're doing, or if they have questions about you know what's going on with their pregnancy, or how to get the right doctor in their area and get in your advice on that, how would they connect?
1: Our best place is ruraldocallen.com. Okay. Yeah, it would be, and that's our
0: main site. And you've got a YouTube channel as well, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so people need to go check you out and and watch your YouTube videos and and get all your great information there. So
1: Yes, we get like I said, see the uh, nursing the um, quads video for free.
0: Right. And then so is there anything else as we as we wrap up is there anything else that maybe you would have for those those mothers out there a word of wisdom or advice
1: Well I'm just going to go back to how we started and that is a partnership Yeah for a partnership and the partnership should feel good it should she feel right so you're going to have to go on your judgment there You know, we did spend a little bit of time in the book talking about how you choose that. We talked about that, for example, um, who's going to, who am I going to see during my prenatal course? Who's going to be at my delivery?
0: Yeah, big questions. So thank you so much, Dr. Allen, for being a guest.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. This has been fun
0: good deal thanks for checking out the confidence through health podcast please subscribe post a review share this episode with those you love who need a little extra help with their health journey visit allinhealthandwellness.com to learn more about the coaching programs that i provide all episodes are produced by the social media cowboys your source for all online marketing needs go to socialmediacowboys.com for more information